Well, good morning, church. What an incredible opportunity it is for us together to worship today. I'm grateful for Jeremy and for the choir and orchestra for leading us this morning. Today is a little bit different. If you are a guest of ours, we are on sort of a different schedule. I know we started at the same time. Our service is a little bit abbreviated today as we focus in on a time of exploring ministry and service opportunities. Right back in the fellowship hall this morning, we kicked off about 8.30 this morning with a ministry fair, and it's been a blast already. Uh, there are uh, all kinds of food that was uh, given away, and, and we'll continue that after the service, but I'm afraid that some people missed the point with our ministry fair this morning. I'm very, very concerned that we had folks sign up for stuff that wasn't on the list. In fact, I kind of kept up with it, and I eavesdropped around our ministry fair. And these are some of the things that I heard this morning. We had four people that signed up to be potluck taste testers. I didn't know that was a thing, but I want to get in that line. I was very disturbed to know that we had six people that signed up to preach. I'm not sure what that says. Somebody's got something to say. I heard several wives tell me that, uh, and, and tell their husbands, the day that you get the pulpit is the day that I go to another church on that Sunday. And some of the husbands said, well, you preach all the time, but you just don't get paid for it. So I'm not going into that. Uh, we have marriage classes in our discipleship program later. We'll be getting into those. I, I did overhear somebody say this. They said, changing diapers is not my spiritual gift. I don't know that that's a valid excuse for not serving in the children's ministry, but nevertheless, it was said. I also have heard this. I've heard people say, you know, I'm just too busy right now in this season of my life to serve at the church. Can I just tell you that every Sunday that you attend worship in a local church, you're served by very busy people. There are people that have just committed themselves to say yes to the Lord. And to, to pick up some area of responsibility and say, I'll do that for the glory of God. There are people that turned the lights on this morning and prepared music and played music, obviously. Prepared the elements of worship and people that, that cleaned the buildings and people that prepared Sunday school lessons and people that were greeters and ushers and security team members and prayer team members. Folks that are praying literally while we are meeting on Sunday mornings. We have a group of friends at home that pray for our services and they're praying for you. And I think that's incredible. But we want to encourage you to get involved. I'm going to say more about that later. I really want us to invest time this morning in the Word of God and in this focus on the Lord's table. You see, this morning we come to the Lord's Supper, as we often do, as an element of and an expression of worship. And I want to take just a few minutes and walk you through some of this element because I think sometimes we get so familiar with things that we, we do often that we lose sight of their significance. So I invite your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to look there in just a few moments, but I, I really want us to, to dial in on the fact that God speaks to us not only in words, but in pictures as well. I, I really do find this, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians 11, I, I just want you to think with me for, for a moment in this idea 
of the Lord's Supper. You know, many people have questions about it. Uh, There's all kinds of uh, even emotional anxiety and conflicting emotions. Should I take the Lord's Supper today? Should I ever take the Lord's Supper? If I do take the Lord's Supper, if I'm involved in this act of worship, what is its true significance? Does it really even make a difference or matter? And so my desire today is to address these. I hope to speak to those issues in a very practical way so that we can more fully engage in worship. I hope that this will be a significant day for you, not just to hear hear a sermon, not just to listen to songs, but to actively participate in worship through the elements of the Lord's Supper. Now, I want us to go back to the very beginning. You don't have to turn there, but in Genesis, we see God giving one of the very first word pictures, one of the most powerful examples of this, and I think it will help you and I to understand better where we are. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 11, it says this, it says, yes, I'm confirming my covenant with you. Uh, Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Now look this way and think with me. The earth had gotten so violent, people had become so wicked and sinful that God pronounced judgment on the whole earth. But he was merciful. He spoke to a man named Noah and he told Noah to build a boat. And Noah for 120 years began to work on this boat, but he was a a, a preacher as well. He preached to the people that salvation was available, that they could be saved from the wrath that was to come. And the floodwaters did come, and God let Noah and his family enter into the ark of safety and salvation, and God closed the door. And God judged those that were outside of the ark, while at the same time, using that source of judgment in an interesting way, it's salvation through judgment. He lifted Noah and his family by the same waters that pronounced judgment on all the others. But the rain was a sign then of God's judgment. It's not now. And here's why. God speaks to us through words, but he also gives us pictures. How did he do that? At the end of all of the flood, as the waters subsided, he set a rainbow in the sky. How many of you have seen a rainbow in the last week or two? Anybody see one yesterday? I saw a couple uh, yesterday through the rains in various places in our city. God set a rainbow in the sky, and he said, this is a sign of my promise. You see, I want you to see the rainbow is a visual aid, if you will. It's a seal of the promise of God. It's a visible reminder to you and to me that he would not destroy the earth again. And so now, think about it with me. The rain is now a sign of the mercy of God. The rain that comes every day, and last night it came, and I thought we needed to find an ark there for a little while. But as it was falling, I was reminded that God sustains the earth, that God is merciful in giving to us provision and taking care of our every need. And and the beauty is the rainbow didn't stop the rain. The rainbow signified that God stopped the rain. That's important for us to see. And here's why. You and I are forgetful people. We need to remember. We need to consider the promises of God. Let me just ask you a very simple question. How many of you this week consciously thought about the merciful sustenance of God? You stopped and you said, everything that's happening around me is happening because God in His sovereignty is holding it all together. And as the rains fell, were you disappointed that it was somehow keeping you from an activity that you wanted to do? 
or did you look at the rain as a sign of the mercy of God? And you see, when we see a rainbow, we ought to stop and say, God, you have been so faithful to your word. You have promised us that you would not judge in this way. And every time we see the rainbow, it ought to be for us a reminder. God speaks to us in words, but he speaks to us by reinforcing this through pictures. I love that. And for us today as Christians, God has given us two very practical pictures for the life of a believer for the things that he's done. Baptism is one, and the Lord's Supper is the other. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had baptism, and we'll have baptism again next weekend. And as we think about baptism and the Lord's Supper, when it comes to my spiritual life, there are two distinct spiritual emphases that I need. Taking a bath and eating a meal. My inner life needs to be cleansed. Jesus washes away my sin. My life needs nourishment. Jesus, the bread of life, nourishes my soul. So in these very simple acts of baptism in the Lord's Supper, we see a reinforcing. Just like the rainbow doesn't stop the rain, baptism doesn't save you, but it points to the God who saves you. The Lord's Supper does not bring salvation, but it points to the death and the uh, sacrifice of Jesus that would bring to us a, a reminder of His death. I love this. Look at this. Baptism doesn't wash me. It's a visible reminder that Jesus has washed me. The Lord's Supper doesn't save me, it reminds me that Jesus alone can save. And so as we think about these and other visual reminders, as we come to this table together, I want to give you a tool that will hopefully help you in your theological thinking across the board. All right, And the first I would call the mountain curve. I didn't give you notes this morning uh, and an outline, but I want you to maybe jot this down somewhere. I want to show you a picture. We'll call this the mountain curve. And the mountain curve just simply rises up to a peak, and then it comes down on the other side. And, and it starts down here, and it ascends to the top. Well, what does that signify theologically, Pastor? It, it's a picture of us reaching up to God. Some people think the Lord's Supper is an act in which we need to do something to appease God so that God will reach back down to us in mercy. Some of you here today have that kind of a mindset about life, not just the Lord's Supper. Maybe your church attendance is a mountain curve. You said, I'm going to come to church today and somehow I'll curry favor with God. Somehow God will like me better or he'll like me more or he'll grace me with a, a larger sense of his grace. Now let me show you the flip side. You obviously know where it's going. This would be what I would call a valley curve. It starts with God and ends with God. It means this, that God gifts us with grace. That God reaches into our world in unique ways. And when He does, our rightful response is to turn back to Him in praise and adoration. When we start with God and end with God, we've got the right picture. Now let's put them all uh, both together. And, and so you're thinking about these. The valley curve and the mountain curve it can be demonstrated by any of these word pictures God set the rainbow in the sky why because it started with him he initiated it he made the promise and that's how it is with the Lord's Supper even from the beginning it is by the way called the Lord's Supper it's not our supper he invited his disciples he assembled them they didn't invite Jesus to dinner 
He took the bread and the cup. He explained those things. Jesus distributed them. You see, it's this valley curve. It starts with God and ends with God. And the importance of that is much like baptism. Baptism, very simply, is God's way of speaking visually about His grace. And if we consider this notion of us offering something to God, I'll be baptized and that will in some way gain favor with God. So here's the question. Is it about God giving something to us? Or is worship about us giving and offering something to God? Here's something I want you to hear very clearly. And I want to put it on the screen. I want you to hear this. You need to be very skeptical about any teaching that begins and ends with man. I think we can almost safely say this across the board. If it begins with man and ends with man, you can be pretty sure that across any theological spectrum, It doesn't line up with the Bible. And here's why. And this is going to set somebody free today, I pray. There are people in this room that are acting very religiously toward God. And you feel like in some way you need to earn the favor of God. You've not yet grasped grace. And the idea of trying to earn favor with God very, very simply points to this. If you and I have to take this Lord's Supper or go through the act of baptism in some way to please God, then we are serving a God who is not yet fully pleased. The the theological word is propitiated. That means he's not satisfied. But you and I studied this even Wednesday night, that Jesus Christ fully satisfied the righteous wrath of the Father through the cross. And because he is fully satisfied, this is simply a picture that reminds us of what he's already done. And so when we come to the table, we don't come to the table and say, okay, today I'm going to cross my fingers and hope God loves me more because of the activity of my life. I am no longer subject to that wrath of God. Jesus took it upon himself. He bore that wrath. And so here's the question. Does this matter? Does it make a difference? And the answer for all of us this morning is absolutely, positively yes. It makes all the difference in the world. Are you striving to please God in your own flesh and in your own power? Are you receiving by His mercy and His grace the atonement of your sins through Christ? And when we come to the table, we simply acknowledge God has given to us all this goodness in Christ Jesus. And every time we come back to this table, because we're forgetful, we're reminded yet again and again and again. And that's why Jesus said... The night that he took that bread, the night that he took that cup, in as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. You see, the Lord's Supper should never become stale to us in our thinking because it ought to always remind us of the goodness and the sacrifice of Jesus. I say this pretty much every time we baptize, that those candidates who go through the waters of baptism are preaching a sermon without opening their mouths. They're simply saying, my life now belongs to Jesus, and I'm identifying my life with Him in death, in burial, and being raised to walk in brand new life. Our salvation today lies complete 
in Jesus. And so rather than us trying to gain favor, Jesus reaches out to us and he says, look at what I've done for you. I've told you through the words of scripture and yet beyond that I've left this picture for you. God the Father says, my son's body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. And in this there is reconciliation and newness of life. And I long for you to receive that for me. And every time you come to this table, this this glorious marvelous gift paints that picture for us. So what do we actually do? I want to take just a moment and walk you through three thoughts about what we do when we take the Lord's Supper. Because again, there's confusion. There's question about this. I realize that there's theological debate across the centuries, and I'm not going to dive into that today. I do want you to understand that this is a symbol. This is an act of worship. The elements do not become the physical body and blood of Jesus. And we can can talk about that at a later date, but I would simply say, as we take this, there's still question. You see, in the New Testament, when we come to this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians, there are many who took it in an unworthy manner. And the Bible says they drank upon and ate upon themselves judgment. Some of them even uh, got sick and died. And when you hear that, you say, well, maybe I need to take this a little more seriously. Maybe I need to consider what's happening when we come to this table. Well, I'm glad you're thinking that way because I want us to look to this together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Let's look there for a moment. The Apostle Paul writes these words, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And then verse 26, he says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. The first thing I want you to see that we do straight from this text When we take the Lord's Supper together, we look back. We look back. It's very simply this. We're remembering. He says to do this in remembrance. To remember the sacrifice and to think about what he did for me on the cross. The the bread, his body given. The blood, his body, his blood spilt. the, The cup, rather. His body. Think about this. The body of Jesus Christ. It, it was perfect, was it not? This is audience participation time. Was the body of Jesus perfect? Was Jesus perfect in his obedience? Did Jesus ever speak a sinful word? Did Jesus ever think a sinful thought? No. And as we think about that, he always hoped, he always loved, he always believed. He never spoke a sinful word. That perfect body, that life of perfect obedience was laid down for you and for me. I, I so often come to this table and feel unworthy. Well, there's good news for you if you feel that way. You are. 
and I am. And the beauty of the Lord's Supper is that I come to this table not with an arrogance to think that I deserve this, but with a brokenness to say, He laid down His perfect life so that I can partake of it. He who knew no sin became sin so that I who could know no righteousness on my own would become the righteousness of God in Christ. That ought to just overwhelm us when we begin to think that He laid His body down and when we take this bread, we remember. I remember also the poverty of my own faith, the incompetence of my own repentance, the, the, the shortcomings of my life. And yet when he speaks to us in the bread, he's saying to you and me, your salvation is a result of the completion of the perfect obedience of Jesus and the fulfillment of all righteousness. And then we come to the cup. You notice they're taken separately. We have the bread, then we take the cup. Now, blood signifies often life. And yet we know that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness or remission of sins. But think about this. As we think about the cup, blood in the veins signifies life, but blood spilled out is oftentimes a picture of death. That when bloodshed comes, death is the result and we forget so God seals it into our heart with a picture that the perfect body of Jesus was given so that you might partake of righteousness and the shed blood of Jesus his death paid that penalty for us and we forget that so for you and for me Jesus is saying in these words take this bread it is a perfect life offered for you here's what he's saying my obedience is yours and then he says, take this cup and this atoning death on your behalf. My forgiveness is yours. Have you ever wrapped your mind around that? I don't want us to run past this too quickly. In the Lord's Supper, we understand those things. We know them. We've heard them. We're familiar. But in the broken body of Jesus, we are given the obedience of Jesus. And in his shed blood, we are offered the forgiveness and so now we have reconciliation possible in that atoning work of his death. And the glorious victory of his resurrection gives to us the opportunity to come together again and again and again to this table and remember. So when you take of these elements, look back. Remember. Think back to all that he has done for you. Number two, I want you to see this. When we take these elements, look in. The Bible says that a man ought to examine himself. Now, I know that exam, uh, exams are probably not a very popular word right now. School's just started back. You're not thinking about tests and exams yet, but those days are coming. But, but when we have an exam, there are some questions. And I want to give you three very quickly this morning. And these are the questions you need to ask. The Bible talks about taking this in an unworthy manner. We can never be worthy to take it, but we can take it in an unworthy manner. And that simply means that we've not examined ourselves. Question number one, you ready? Am I believing? Am I believing? This is active. Not did I believe a long time ago, but am I believing? Do I believe that the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me is the sustaining force of my life? Am I believing in Jesus this day? And if I'm not, maybe I've backslidden some. Maybe I've gotten to where I've forgotten. Today is a grand opportunity for you to ask the second question. Am I willing to believe? Now let me speak to every heart here for just a moment. Some of you have never believed. You've never 
trusted. You've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This examination ought to lead you to this place. If you've never trusted, if you're not believing, don't take these elements. That's that unworthy manner. You see, this is for believers. It is for those who are of the faith who can say with confidence, Jesus is my obedience. Jesus is my forgiveness. He is my salvation. And you come to the table when you can say, yes, I'm believing. But if today you've never believed, I want to give you the opportunity. And we will, uh, later in this service, invite you to trust Christ. You can do so right now, just believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confessing with your mouth that He's Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You shall be saved, the Bible says. And if you today have backslidden, if you have come to this place where you've allowed other things to take priority in your heart and your mind and your life and in your practice, then today ask that second question, am I willing to believe? You see, this table ought to bring us every time we come to it to a place of decision. It ought to bring us to a place where we say, am I going to, uh, to respond to the invitation of Jesus or not? Not did I believe 20 years ago, am I believing today? Question number three, am I repenting? Am I repenting? Am I turning from my sin? You see, some of you would come to this table and ask the question, am I good enough? You never will be. Am I turning to the Lord? The only ones that I would say definitively who should not take of this Lord's Supper are those that think they're good enough. If you, in some way, arrogantly think, well, I'm okay with God. No, the only way that you're right with God is through Christ. And that's why over and over again it points back. So we look back in remembrance and we look in with uh, reflection. And now, ultimately, we repent and, and we ask that question. You see, this is for sinners who see, feel, and need the grace of God. God is ready this morning to take away every sin that you've ever committed. He died for them on the cross. But you need to hear this. You must be willing to give them up. You know, sometimes we don't think of it that way. God is willing to take away that sin. But you need to repent. You need to give it up. And so there's a time of reflection as we come to the table. A time for you to simply ask, Lord, is there sin in my life that's keeping me from experiencing the fullness of relationship and communion with you? If there's a sin you're not willing to give up, then you shouldn't come to this table this morning. Just let it pass on by. Parents, obviously, we've given you resources and teaching tools. This is not for young children. It's for believers, and so you need to help them. But we look back, we look in, and ultimately we look up. The Bible says in Matthew, in the recording of the events of the Last Supper together and the institution of the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn and they went out rejoicing. They left that place with joy in their hearts. You remember our valley curve? It starts with God and it ends with God. You see, we're going to come to this table. God's invited you here today. You say, well, I got in my car. I made my mind up. I made the decision. I'm glad that you're here, but the providential hand of God oversaw that process. He kept lungs uh, drawing breath this morning long enough for you to be here. He's held your heart in check that it would continue to beat, and you are here because God has invited you to this place, and the invitation stands for you to ask and answer those questions. Am I believing? 
Am I willing to believe? Am I repenting this morning? And if you say yes to those questions, if you say, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, I recognize that my forgiveness and my obedience is only found in Christ Jesus. Then you gladly receive these elements. And you worship the Lord today. God invites us. We respond and we look back up to Him. And we look out to the world around us. I didn't put this in the outline, but I'll finish here before we come to these elements. We've established today this ministry fair for people to serve. And the opportunities are endless. Literally, we found over a thousand jobs for people to do really inside the walls of the church. And we'll move toward a missions fair later on where we start looking out. But I'm talking about ministering to and meeting the needs of one another so that we can best share the gospel. In this place, like so many places, 20% of the people are doing the lion's share of the work. It's probably not 2080 anymore. It's more like 2095. And, and people that are doing 12 things a week here will go through the ministry fair and feel convicted and want to do a, a 13th thing. And they'll squeeze their plate while others are sitting and saying, I'm too busy. Or others are sitting and saying, you know, changing diapers is not my spiritual gift. Or they're saying, well, I, I want to do what I want to do. I mean, this whole selfless, sacrificial thing is just not necessarily for me. What I would say to you, if I could add a fourth point, is that we not only look up in rejoicing, but we begin to look out. And we find places where we can give. As you see, it started with the Lord. And I want to bring, as He comes into my world and explains to me through these elements, a reminder of His grace, a reminder of His salvation. I want to turn and praise Him, but I also want to serve other people in the name of Jesus. So I pray that that would be our response today. Now, we're going to finish up in just a moment. We'll do the Lord's Supper together. And I want to ask you to do something. If you've not yet been through the fellowship hall, I, I'm going to ask you, don't go out the back doors. Just take a moment and walk through. All morning long, people were saying, well, where do I sign up for stuff? There's no sign-ups today. You, you can sign maybe a form for, of interest if you want at some of the individual tables. But next week and the next, we're going to have commitment cards that simply say, I said yes. And you're not saying yes to Hardy Street Baptist Church. You're not saying yes to an individual ministry. You're saying yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You have blessed me. You have given me strength and ability, and I want to serve you. And so we want you to take this week and explore, or today and explore, this week and pray, and next week commit. But I'm going to ask you right now to examine. I'm going to ask our, our musicians to come. I believe we're going to, to just settle into a time for a moment, and as our men come forward for us together to share in this experience, look back. Look in. Look up. And then as we leave this place, look forward in ways that you can serve. Look around and see needs that need to be met. Men, if you'll make your way here. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I want to guide you just a moment in a time of examination. Perhaps this morning you would say, Pastor, I've never been saved. I've never trusted Jesus Christ. But today, I, I sense that need and I want to be saved. I, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Nobody's looking around, but, but would you simply raise your hand? If you today need to be saved, would you raise your hand and raise it high? 
anyone here that needs to trust in the Lord. I want to extend this invitation to this place. If you would say to me, Pastor, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm confident in my salvation. I've trusted the Lord, and I'm confident that I am His, and He is mine. Would you, as a testimony before the Lord, simply slip your hand up. I know that I'm saved here this morning. You can put your hands down. How many of you this day might say very simply, I've walked with the Lord, I've trusted the Lord, but at some point in the past, I've been closer than I am today. And you know there's a place in your heart and your life that you need to repent. Would you, just as a testimony before God, raise your hand and say, Lord, today I want to turn back to you. I just want to repent of some things and trust you more fully. You can put your hands down. Thank you all throughout the room. I pray that today, this morning, you would just from your heart convey prayers to God. I'll voice a prayer for us over that, but you would individually repent. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this reminder, this beautiful, wonderful picture that you have given to us that tells us of the death, the sacrifice of Jesus through his broken body and his shed blood. Father God, I pray that today we would be in a heart attitude of repentance and that you would stir our hearts And that we would receive this gladly as a reminder of your body and your blood. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you for all that you're doing during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.